Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Good, good. Excited. Excited for a, a day when the Packers game is not sharing the spotlight with any any other NFL games, so no distractions from other games, plus a big day for Wisconsin sports today. Um, and we hope a big day for Wisconsin sports again tomorrow. Yeah, big day for Wisconsin sports today. You know, Bucks trade for Damian Lillard if you if you were somehow under a rock or don't follow basketball very much. Obviously, a bit bittersweet uh, losing Drew Holiday, who's such a franchise legend, having to trade him away. And he has one of the greatest moments in Bucks franchise history. They should 100% retire his number um when it comes time to that even though he only played here three years he's a champion he's a bucks legend forever multiple time teammate of the year award winner with the bucks i love drew holiday i'm gonna miss drew holiday but when a chance comes to add a player like damian lillard you just got to do it but dad we are here to talk about thursday night football tomorrow uh not basketball we're here to talk football and the packers will be playing the lions in lambo we got everything you want to talk about here, which is why we're coming to you not on our usually scheduled day. We're coming to you Wednesday night, the day before the game. Packers-Lions in Lambeau. So much to talk about. But before we do, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting, pieces of Packers news. We keep you up to date pretty much on anything going on in Titletown. So if you want to give us a follow there, come hit us up and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform podcast platform of choice i've done this a million times and i'm still tripping over my words sometimes <laughs> we are on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. we even put all our episodes out on youtube uh, if you want to subscribe to us there would really help our numbers we would really appreciate it but dad so much to talk about for this game packers on primetime first primetime game of the year thursday night football on amazon prime a eh, little pun there primetime i never really thought about it uh but lots to look forward to lots of news to discuss i think you know if we're gonna start anywhere Let's start with the injury report. And, Dad, it's looking heavy for both teams. But this is the thing with Thursday Night Football. A lot of times the injury reports are extra lengthy, and these games are so much less predictable than any other games in the calendar because you essentially have three days to prep, three days to get your body right. It's not enough time. They should not have these games. No, I don't know why they do. (laughs) Well, I know why they do, but they shouldn't have these games. But the, yeah. the players hate it. Players, you know, are more likely to get injured. Less time to recover from any injuries they had from the previous game, which is why, like, you know, we have a bunch of people out and questionable. Yeah, you know, the which isn't had their more than their well. It's, it always seems like more than their their fair share, but they certainly have a lot this this early in the year. Yeah, and obviously, knock on wood in terms of new injuries, but lot of existing injuries for the Packers, Dad. Let's run through it. I'll read them down, and then I'll ask your thoughts on them. Starting with the Packers. Jair Alexander, who missed the last game against the Saints, is questionable. He was a limited participant on Tuesday and Wednesday. Zane Anderson, safety, still out with the hamstring. He was out last game as well. He has not participated in any practices, so he's he's not going to play in this game. Bakhtiari, out in this game. Um, Didn't play the last game either. Uh, didn't play the game before. It's uh, it's looking tougher for him with every passing week. Uh, but, you know, the Packers have a long break after this, so hopefully he'll be able to get right after that, but it's very tough. Devondre Campbell, who hurt his ankle in the last game, is going to be out in this game. Um, Elton Jenkins, we know, already has that knee injury. He's going to be out. That was kind of expected. And then beyond that, uh, Aaron Jones is questionable. He was a limited participant all week. Zach Tom is questionable. Um, he was a limited participant Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, Carrington Valentine uh, was a limited participant Tuesday and Wednesday. He's also questionable. And then Christian Watson uh, is questionable, but was a limited participant Tuesday and Wednesday. Now for the Packers, Dad, we'll start with them before we move on to the Lions. Uh, just a couple notes here. Um, multiple Packers players seem to have said that they expect Aaron Jones to play. <laughs> Spilled beans. And Matt LaFleur said he is optimistic or hopeful, I think is what he said. So Aaron Jones, I think Romeo Dobbs was the one who said, yeah, we expect to have 3-3 out there. said, yeah, we expect um, to have 33 out there. Exactly, we're going yeah. to have, not even expected. I think he said we're going to have 33 out there. I think it was more, yeah, so, it was more definitive than that. Yeah, so we'll see what ends up happening with that. It could all be gamesmanship, but that would be a huge boost to the offense because the running game weeks two and three has been really bad and like really bad. So that's something. And then today, Jordan Schultz, uh, NFL insider reported that 
Uh, Christian Watson is expected to play, assuming everything goes well in the lead up to the game and make his debut this uh, for this season on Thursday Night Football against the Lions. It would be huge to get that explosive playmaker threat back for the Packers. Um, Dad, anything you wanted to chime in yeah. on those ones? We haven't really heard any more details on the other ones or any notes you want to give on the players who have been determined out. Um, yeah, yours? so Watson had, Watson had said it was the plan. And the, the Jordan Schultz tweet was just an hour ago as we're doing our, yeah. our prep work for the, for this it was, podcast. It was interesting because Watson said it was the plan. And then Matt LaFleur essentially was like, well, he hasn't been cleared yet. So let's calm down. And then right. now not we're, we're seeing so like, some behind the LaFleur's scenes like, reporting. Exactly. You see LaFleur's doing damage control. Stop revealing everything. Don't reveal anything. Nobody say anything. Yeah. Don't you know, we, we're never supposed to give any actual information in these in these interviews. Yep, just platitudes. Platitudes only, nothing more. Um, take, but, one game, yeah. we take one game at a time. We got a good ball club. We're just I trying really to go like one and every week. Club. Yeah, <laughs> love the guys out there. Just love the effort they're giving. That's, that, those are the, the answers you're going to get. That's the script. Those Stick to the script. But anyway, Dad, any other notes on those other injuries? I think the ones that are... You know, I, I think the Bakhtiari one's concerning at this point. The fact that he's missed three straight games now. Um, yeah, and then we've got like until Monday night football after this, and then the bye. Well, so, the thing is, the Packers only play after this game one game in the next twenty three days. We're going to be yeah. a little bit starved for content. I'm not going to lie, but also it's going to be <laughs> very good for a team. It's going to be very good for a team who's very banged up. This is a good to, year to have an early bye. The way it started with injuries. Yes, a hundred percent. But. but for some of those other questionable players, so well, at least for for players out, uh, Campbell is supposedly not the same ankle that he hurt in preseason. Um, Valentine did not tear his biceps, that's why he's questionable and could potentially play, according to Lafleur on Monday. Zach Tom, it it seems like he may have hurt his knee in a slip on the last drive. Um, you know, Andy, Andy Herman, his first one, I who who called my who, who I got. Um, attention drawn to from the, he mentioned it and he stayed in for three snaps after that for the rest of that drive until they scored and then only missed the kneel down so maybe there's a chance that he plays there hasn't been much about Jair but going from kind of increasing to limited for the last well couple the, practices, the DNP chance. the DNP doesn't mean anything estimate it's really exactly. means nothing but yeah, the fact that he's limited the last two days yeah the DNP Monday means absolutely nothing. If you didn't know, that was just an estimated. They don't have actual practice that day. It's like all above the network. It's all like just looking at film and stuff. But they're required so they're just like, to give an injury report. Yeah, they're like, if is... we practiced, we don't think he would have practiced, but we don't know. So the only ones that matter are the ones later in the week. Yeah. And then the other thing about the the, the Packers, well, well, let's talk about the Lions injuries. So they're going to be missing well, they one projected starter starting lineman who's out right that's vitai yeah so vitai is not going to play starter who is their starting right guard uh matt nelson one of their backup tackles is not going to play uh and then jason cabinda their fullback is not going to play but besides that um they also have some other questionable players uh on their offensive line both taylor decker their left tackle and jonah jackson their left guard are questionable however all were limited participants throughout the week uh with an ankle and thigh uh respectively uh kirby joseph uh safety is also questionable but he was a limited participant throughout the week with a hip injury if you don't remember he was the one who picked rogers like two or three different times on times. the same game, which was crazy. Uh, David Montgomery uh, didn't play last weekend, uh, but is, was a limited participant all week with a thigh injury, and he is questionable. And then Emmanuel Mosley, one of their uh, corners uh, with a knee and hamstring injury, was a limited participant all week, and he is also questionable. Um, so those are kind of the ones for the Lions. They're a little dinged up too. They have questions along their offensive line as well. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on there for them. And we'll talk about that later in terms of the the question marks on their offensive line. Dad, any notes on uh, those injuries for the Lions? Not particularly, though it may um, reduce what is a strength of the Lions, which is their offensive line. If they have, you know, another player or two, or possibly even two, miss the game or or are you know kind of limited in their effectiveness. Yeah, and. The other thing I wanted to note for this is what's going to happen with Patrick Taylor for the Packers. And this is kind of more of an availability thing than an injury thing, but he has used up his three elevations. They 
I was expecting this week at some point that they were going to add him to the active roster. They have not done that yet. They could still do it tomorrow. But I'm a little confused because it seems like in the last game, they were really leaning on Patrick Taylor. Maybe they're so comfortable with the, th- the thought that Jones is going to play that they're, they don't feel the need to add him to the active roster at this point. Are, are you? What are your thoughts on this? It's still a little surprising to me. Um, yeah, so, so it does seem to tip their hand that they expect Jones to play, and that all this is just smoke and mirrors about Jones being limited and not making an announcement. But you'd still like to have the security of Taylor, who's been, frankly, their second most effective back, I think, um, so far this season um, overall. And there are, like, there are players, they, they could um, either put somebody on IR or release somebody to have Taylor. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, signed to the 53. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I don't want to point out specific players and, like, call them out, but I'm not really sure what Zane Anderson is doing on the 53-man roster. What is it you'd say you do here? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, obviously right now he's yeah. injured, but even when he wasn't and they needed, like, the safety position is thin, he still was inactive. So, I don't know. I'm surprised they haven't made some kind of move for Patrick Taylor, but that's all we really have there in terms of availability and injuries, Dad. Should we go into the meat of our game preview, or is there anything else you wanted to add? That's pretty much it in terms of uh, that part of the seg- that segment. So let's, let's move on. Yeah, so let's move on to the actual heft of the game preview, and let's start with just some quick facts. So this game is going to be in Lambeau Thursday night, 7.15 p.m. local time. 58 degrees, supposed to be very humid apparently. Something like 98% humidity or something like that I was seeing. I don't know how accurate that was. That was from Google. The Lions are currently one-point favorites with an over-under of 45.5. So that's like an implied score of about 23-22 to win for the Lions. So they're projecting it to be a very close game. Uh, The fact that the Lions are favored in Lambeau on the road means that they would probably be like four or five-point favorites on a neutral site. So Vegas seems to think, and the public at large seems to think, that the Lions are a better team, especially with the Packers' injuries. I'm curious to see if the line moves at all with if like Jones and Watson are declared active, if that line moves either way, but it's just something to keep an eye on. But dad, that's kind of the quick facts. And then let's move on to talking about the lions. This is like keeping up with the Joneses kind of, but not Caleb and Aaron. We're just kind of talking about what's been going on in lion's land. What's been going on for them. They've had, you know, a lot of promise coming into this year. There was a lot of talk about them. They were the favorites to win the NFC North. They are currently second in the NFC North to the Packers. They're tied, though, but they're both 2-1. and one. The Packers just have more divisional wins at this point, but they've also played more divisional games, so the Lions haven't had the opportunity to bank those division wins. Whoever wins this game is going to be first in the NFC North going forward and have a major leg up going forward. Dad, what else has been going on with the Lions recently and in, in the yes. past, you know, X amount of so years. So I was looking back at, you know, because everybody's been talking about how all oh, the, the Packers lost last year and they've lost three straight. But so I look back a little bit that actually the Packers and Lions are 10 and 10 over the last 10 years. You know, this idea that the Packers have kind of dominated. If you get, after you go, if you go back more than 10 years, then Packers well, did win 17 of the last 20. Who's saying the Packers have dominated? I, I always feel like the Lions, even when the Lions are bad, they play us so well, tough. I think. I think in the last 10 years, but before that, if you go back to the, the like the next 10 years back, then the Packers are 17 and three against the lions. Okay. But, but, over, but, it's, but it's recently kinda, we're in a bit of us, but we're in a bit of a streaks. The lions have won three straight before that the Packers won five straight. And before that, the lions won four straight. Yeah. And two of those five straight for the Packers were games where they led for zero seconds of regulation. If you'll remember. <laughs> yes. In the same season. Yeah, but that was cra- um, that was quite a crazy season. And those three and straight the for the team, Lions, the, I was going to say those three straight for the Lions include, I'm sure everyone has heard this narrative, the game last year where they knocked the Packers out of playoff contention in the last week of the season. So there's some a little extra juice there maybe. Yeah, but it also cont- uh, includes a game at the end of uh, the season before where the Packers basically just rested all their starters for most of the game. That is also true. The When they had nothing to play for, they already had the one seed locked up. Right, that is also very locked true. locked up the one seed. But the home team on both sides is only six and four. So it's not like there's been this like massive home um, field advantage either. So just food for thought, really, as, uh, as uh, we look at what the teams have been fairly evenly matched over, over the last 10 years. Yeah, and it seems like they play, they've played at a similar pace so far this year, um, 25th and 26th. 
Um, which one was 25th and 26th? You had this uh, this stat lined up. I believe Detroit was 25th and the and the Packers were 26th in, in neutral pace. So not much different in it's kind of play speed. So you don't really expect to see much tension between one team trying to play at a different pace from the other and see whose um, style um, you know ends up taking over. Yeah, and then Green Bay is 8th in points per drive while Detroit is 15th. Um, Green Bay with 0.46 more points per drive despite having less yards per drive, um, almost a yard fewer per drive, which is not a huge yeah, bit, uh, difference, it's but not, it's right, interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting that they're getting a decent amount more points per drive while having, you know, nearly the same yards per drive. Yeah, um, and maybe which is, you know... Maybe that's a side of the... And I didn't look at, like like punts per drive and those things, maybe the sign of the Packers drives are feast or famine. Well, I think, you know, mostly what it is for the Packers is they've been pretty, I would say almost statistically anomaly level of like efficient in the red zone in terms of converting red zone opportunities to touchdowns. I, I think that's probably that later, the big but thing. They're not even, they're not even first in the league though in red zone efficiency. Oh, that's kind of surprising. We're, I wonder if they were going into week three. Um, that's a, that's an interesting one to me. I looked anyway, it up, and they are, I think, second. I have a note on that later. I'll get okay. into it now. But still a, a very and, good team in terms of touchdown conversion yes. percentage in the red zone. But anyway, those are kind of what's going on with the Lions. They're a very solid team. They started last season 1-6 and six and ended 9-8, and eight, I believe. Is that correct? They ended the season 8-2. and two. They ended 9-8 and eight, but lost the tiebreaker to the Seahawks. Seattle, yeah. But so they, they ended last season on a tear. They won week one against Kansas City, kind of dropped the ball a little bit in week two against the Seahawks, but then beat Atlanta in week three pretty soundly against a team that kind of, you know, walked us down a little bit. So something to keep in mind, like Lions are a pretty solid team. Um, but let's move on since we're already talking about how the Lions are a pretty solid team to our next section, which is, hey, now play nice, where we say a couple of nice things about the Lions, about what they're good at, some things that we respect about the opponent. And, you know, the Lions are a very solid team, Dad. Would you like to say the the first good thing you have about the Lions? I'm sure. Let's see. I I have always have to search for my where's my play nice. Is it there? Does it exist? You know, you always give me a hard yeah, time you... about not being able to play nice. So maybe I can't even find it. Maybe there's nothing. So there it is. It's just so tiny. Their run their run defense has been really good this year. Um, currently, they're giving up the third fewest yards per game to running backs. So especially like say run defense against running backs, they're behind only San Francisco and Philadelphia there. And the fourth fewest yards per carry to running backs behind Tennessee, Seattle, and Philadelphia again. By DVOA, their run defense is ranked fifth. And just for an example, just last week against Atlanta's running backs, who we know pretty well, um, they only gave up 45 yards on 17 carriers, less than three yards per carry. Green Bay, in comparison, gave up 172 yards on 35 carries. So almost five per carry in comparison. So... That's a pretty a remarkable, difference. pretty remarkable performance from the run defense for yeah, because we I also not... know, we also know the Falcons. They don't care about game script. They'll be down. They're still going to run the rock. Like it does not matter that they got down in that game. They're going to run the whole game no matter what. That's a that's a really impressive uh, performance by the Lions defense in that one. Yeah, it's really kind of surprising. Um, I thought and. It wasn't that long ago that I, am, I, am I wrong? I remember this wrong about how, whether the the Detroit has struggled in recent in the recent past against the run. I think two um, years ago they were one of the worst run defenses in the league. Uh, I I can't remember what they and were now last under year. the the as you know incarnated as the uh, biting Dan Campbell's they become a much better run defense. The biting and fighting Dan Campbell's. Well, so last year they were 25th in DVOA against the run uh, per FTN Fantasy. And then in 2021, they were 31st uh, in run defense Oof. per DVOA. So, yeah, last two years have not been kind to them on and the now, ground. And now they're fifth. Yeah. So big turnaround for them. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big turnaround. Um, my let's play nice, the thing I wanted to say about them, I actually have two things. Uh, number one is their offensive line is very good, specifically in the run. Um, their projected offensive line was particularly good at run blocking last year, uh, much, much better than green Bay, which I know is not saying a lot because we've really struggled to block the run the last year and a half, but projected snap adjusted PFF grade of 71 compared to green Bay's 60, uh, from our previous, uh, from insert our a little thing about the green Bay 60. Sure. This is, I mean, this is something we talked about in the off season and everybody's saying, well, green Bay will just, they have a good offensive line. They're going to lean on the run game. And we're like, 
Are you sure? It's like, it's yeah, not they, they uh, do, it's not what they do well. They tried to lean on the run game last year, and they also couldn't do it then. So I don't know what happened from two years ago to now. Like, I don't understand how the run defense has completely fallen flat on its face. It's like, yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure oh, what's happening. Was the, it the run, the run offense? Sorry, the run offense. Yes, yes, for the Packers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I don't understand how the rushing attack just has fallen on its face. And, you know, you could point to Aaron Jones being out so far this year, and maybe when he comes back, they turn it around. But the blocking's been terrible. But anyway, we're saying good things about the Lions, not bad things about the Packers right now. Although there's a little, there's a little entanglement there. But we talked about this in the preseason. Um, we were just talking about their composite uh, run blocking grade that we calculated in the preseason. They last year had... Uh, three different offensive linemen in the top 40 of all offensive linemen. Uh, Sewell, Ragnow, and Decker were all top 40 offensive linemen per PFF, that is. Um, and then they have three different offensive linemen in the top 30 amongst all, all offensive linemen in PFF grade this year. Uh, that's amongst top th- that's top 30, not even top 40. In Ragnow, Vitae, and Sewell. However, Vitae is going to be out of this game, so that is something to keep in mind. And their left tackle and left guard are questionable, which is something we mentioned earlier, which is also something to keep in mind. So their offensive line is very strong. There are some question marks there with health. Um, pass blocking, they're also a little bit more uh, middle of the pack. Uh, per pro football reference, they were 14th in pressure rate al- uh, uh, allowed last year, and then 19th so far this year. So they're they're allowing some pressure there, which is, you know, a little surprising to me because I think general consensus is they're like one of the two or three best lines in the league. But in terms of pressure rate, like I, I don't know if it's Goff, I don't know if it's them, but they are they will let pressure get through at times. Um the other thing I was gonna say that they're very good at is play action. Um so this is per Colton Pouncey of the Athletic. Uh Jared Goff had the highest EPA per play in the league last year on play action, uh at point three three, I believe it was. Mahomes was second. So when he's when he's running play action, Jared Goff is he's a killer. He's a killer out there. Jared Goff had a really good year last year, and he was on quite the streak. You know, he was a, a, he almost broke the record for consecutive passes without an interception, which is crazy to think about. Week. Because two years ago, they were like, "Okay, we got to do something," because Goff isn't it. And then last year, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator, comes in, and I don't know if he's a wizard or something, but he. He turned Jared Goff all the way around. And I think people had kind of forgotten how it's good It's the wizard that Goff, saved us. I know, right? I think people kind of forget how good Goff looked on the Rams at times. And like, yes, uh, he will talk about later, but at times he's... This is the play nice section. I'm not going to I'm not gonna qualify. Goff is good sometimes. Goff is good at certain things. He's very good at certain things. So we'll see on Thursday, and we'll talk about like some ways the Packers could maybe put him in some conflict there, but it's something to think about. But yeah, those are the play nice things. Those are what we have to say nice about the Lions. Uh, and Dad, kind of leading off of that, let's talk a little bit. Let's get like the boogeyman off our back before we start building confidence again. What are some things we're nervous about in this game? Some ways that we think the Packers maybe don't match up well with the Lions. Some things we think the Lions might do to give the Packers trouble. I'll I'll throw it over to you. Um, okay, yeah, so there are a couple of things that... Um our strengths of Detroit that I think we need to worry about going into this game. Um, the Packers are third worst in receiving yards per game, given up to running backs and sixth worst in DVOA and passing to running backs. And well, so while so far, yeah, Gibbs has not, has only been kind of average and not been involved that much as a, in the offense, he was receiving was his real great trait as a prospect coming out of college, he was elite or very high all three years in college as a um, receiving back. And I also, I think with, you know, with Montgomery possibly out or, or limited, if he does play, we could see a lot of Gibbs and I don't want to be the team that he has his breakout against. I would rather not have that happen. But I mean, the comp coming out for him in a lot of places was Alvin Kamara. And we've seen what Alvin Kamara has done to the Packers in the past. Yeah. I mean, I think it we is saw- it is like it's tradition for this this podcast this to bring podcast up the Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara run at that one run at least uh, three to four times. Was it a run or was it, it a pass? At this point, I don't even remember. Everything wrong with uh, the, all the, the Packers defense, defense that had. season. Yes, but here's the thing: maybe it'll be replaced by the Jameer Gibbs play, and we'll get to talk about that for three years. So, you know. It could always be. I would better. rather. I would rather be out of date, referring to a game that nobody cares about anymore, than have a new one come in every year. You know, when you say it like that, that's a uh, that is better. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
Anything else you wanted to add? I have a couple. I have like one big thing. Mine is. And I'll throw it back to you because I see you have a few more. Um, it seems like you're a bit of things. a yeah, so. bit of a nervous Nelly. I'll, I'll take. I'll take first, and I'll throw it back to you. Mine was that Aiden Hutchinson and the Lions D line as a whole. Um, I'm a little worried about them giving our backup lineman problems. Um, Packers are going to be without Bakhtiari, like we said. Zach Tom is questionable. Um, the one I really want to keep an eye on is if Zach Tom plays, because if he doesn't, I think we might be in a little bit of trouble because Hutchinson has lined up on that side of the formation 78% of the time so far this year. So he's almost always on that side. And if Tom can't play, it's probably going to be Nyman. And last game of the season last year, I know Nyman dealt with some shoulder stuff throughout the year, but that was his worst game of the year. He was really bad. Uh, He allowed three pressures and two sacks per PFF. It was his lowest graded game of the year. And it was just very bad from him in that game. So that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah. I'm also and, a little and, bit and concerned. Got, he got benched partway through that game for Tom as well. Yeah. and I, Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because I forgot to say, Nyman didn't even end up playing that whole game and still allowed three pressures and two sacks. I think he only played like 24 snaps, if I remember correctly. But yes, thank you for pointing that out. But yeah, but not going to have anyone to bench him for this time if he if he struggles like that. So they're going to need him to play better Caleb than Jones, that. Caleb Jones, you're the next man up. Caleb Jones has never even played right tackle, I don't think, either, is the thing. Like, he's only exclusively left, so they have to move Walker over to right. I mean, it would be a whole big mess if they need Nyman to play well in this game, is what I'm saying, if Zach Tom can't play. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm also a little bit concerned about Hutchinson lining up inside on pass rushing downs. Uh, so far this year, per PFF, he has pinched inside 17% of the time. So, like, one in five snaps. Uh, I'm a bit worried uh, with him as a mismatch, specifically on Royce Newman. Now, I already said he doesn't line up on that side of the field very often. But I think that's a mismatch that they can exploit because I, I'm i concerned about that one. And Here, we saw against the Chiefs. Well, we saw against the Chiefs in week one. I just want to add this is, like, at times, like, Hutchinson took over that game. But, well, like, watching it, in my opinion, I thought the times that he took over the game was when they put him on the right guard. And he just blew up their, blew up anything they were trying to do pass rush, or, uh, passing-wise and drop back game. And I could see that manifesting itself again in this game. Sorry, what were you going to say? One thing I haven't looked up is how much do they stunt? I'm not sure, but I'm sure they will this game if they watch the tape. Because I th- I felt like New Orleans didn't stunt nearly enough in that past game. I felt like because the one play where Jordan Love rushes for 24 yards down the left sideline because he gets pressure off the edge, they run a stunt, and it was actually Royce Newman's guy who was actually trying to pick Rasheed Walker goes to pick Rasheed Walker, and then he's like, "Wait a minute." This is wide open. He just ends up running like right to where Love is, and Love Love kind of gets out of it, and makes a huge play out of it. But you don't want that. You don't want pressure on your quarterback, and that's definitely something that's concerning. But I also uh, I don't know even where you would find the number of twists and stunts a team runs per game. I don't know. I'd have to like look at the tape and spend time, and which I didn't do to look at all of their games. But it is something that has been specifically um, Royce Newman's Newman's kryptonite. Bugaboo. Yeah. And he's otherwise doing better this year than he did last year and better than he did he in was, preseason. Well, he was very bad last year and he was very bad in yes. the preseason. I mean, the they were playing was, him in the, the fourth quarter. They played him in the fourth quarter of preseason games. Like, that's how low the bar was. We thought he might not make the team. But he's been so far through two games, knock on wood, passable, which is okay. We'll deal with that. Um, but, Dad, any you had some other things you were nervous about in this game. You want to run them off? Yeah, some, some minor things. So. Um, the Packers' ability to run the ball. So Detroit's defense is seventh best in adjusted line yards, while Green Bay's offensive line is 28th best in adjusted line yards. So I'm not expecting a whole lot of push from the Packers' offensive line, which means the running game is going to be a slog. You should never expect a whole lot of push from the Packers' offensive line because a lot of these guys are like, here's the thing a lot of them are very good pass protectors i would say maybe one of them is a good run blocker maybe maybe one i don't even know which like nyman's a good run blocker he might not even play but like nyman was a pretty well graded run blocker by espn last year of their available of their available blockers this week he might be their best run blocker with bakhtiari and jenkins out well bakhtiari is not exactly the best run blocker either He's had some good years though, but he's compared to the compared to the rest of them. That's true. It's uh, he's it's a low as, bar. He's gotten better at run blocking as his career has gone on. Um, and then, you know, we're hoping that we'll be able to pressure Goff, but and it may, this might 
depend on who actually plays for um, Detroit. But so far, they're only they're they're all the way up at fifth best in adjusted sack rate given up on offense. And so, will we see a difference in you know because their their offensive line is much better in that metric than New Orleans, Atlanta, or Chicago. And so, will we see a difference in the um, Packers' ability to get to the quarterback? And the last thing I have is, and maybe I could put this somewhere else, but Sam Laporta. He's good. We, he was my we, number one tight end coming out of the class. We I really, both liked a lot coming yeah. out of the coming out of the draft. Um, and Detroit picked him before the Packers came, but maybe the Packers would have gone with Musgrave anyway. But right now, as a rookie, he's leading the league in yards, receiving yards by a tight end with 186, and his sixth um, graded um, tight end for receive in receiving grade, and fifth best overall. So actually, his pass pro has also been very good. Um, you know, compared to Musgrave, who's you know eighth in yards, but his overall PFF grade is not so good because his blocking has not been nearly so good. Yeah, his I thought I feel like so Musgrave's he's a, blocking he's a has player been, to. Yeah, I feel like Musgrave's blocking been, has been, it's been fine. Better than it's been better yeah. than we were told. Ex- basically, we were told to expect. Yeah, it's, it's not. not it's not Jimmy Graham. Field. Yeah, it's no. somewhere between Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. It's in, it's in this big range. It's a chasm. Is it everybody? Yeah. that's You know, that's a good point. That is the 0 to 10 scale, I would say. But anyway, uh, so those are the things that we're nervous about. But, Dad, let's start, you know, building a little confidence up in our listeners. Like, they come here to feel good about the matchups. So let's talk a little bit about some exploitable weaknesses of the Lions. Now, I'll go first on this one. And my first one is their secondary isn't great. Uh, last year, they had the worst team coverage grade per PFF and the 23rd-ranked pass defense by DVOA. Now, they have made some improvements. Uh, they've brought in, I believe his name's Cam Sutton, to play corner. Uh, they had brought in uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, to play safety, but he is now on uh, IR, so he's not going to be playing in this game. Uh, and then they had also brought in Emmanuel Mosley, who is questionable in this game. And then their other starting one of their other starting safeties, Kirby Joseph, is questionable in this game. But so last year... Very porous uh, pass defense. They've made some adjustments to try and improve it, improve it. But so far, they're tenth, tenth uh, worst, so twenty, uh, 22nd overall in coverage grade, and they're nineteenth in pass defense by DVOA. And that was with um, those players that I already mentioned that have since gotten injured. So still an exploitable pass defense, in my opinion, uh, despite some, you know, their pass rushers are pretty solid, but the back end isn't great. And the back end was so poor last year that they actually fired their secondary coach about midway through the year. Like that's, that's how bad we're talking about last year. So still exploitable and, there. And the, the defense quickly got better after they did that too. Yeah. And, and I think it was a change that needed to be made, but I still think that that is a weakness. The Packers could attack, especially if they have Christian Watson and they're able to stretch out that secondary a little more. That's something I'm keeping my eye on. Dad, what did you have as an exploitable weakness of the Lions? So we met, talked about the Packers' red zone efficiency in scoring TDs. They're second in the league behind Miami, it turns out, and a little bit ahead of uh, Cleveland and Kansas City in uh, offensive red zone touchdown efficiency. And Detroit defense is 22nd in preventing red zone touchdowns. So that's you know a matchup in our favor where – uh, Packer strength against uh, Lions weakness. Um, the other thing I had is that sort of in contrast that to their defense against running back rushes, um, where they're very good, they're only 25th in the league in receiving yards by running backs and 25th in yards per reception to running backs. So, you know, whatever seventh seventh from the bottom. Um, so. And if you look at it by DVOA, they're 28th in defending pass-catching running backs. And also, it's, you know, coincidentally, uh, poor at defending uh, tight ends. They're 22nd there. Um, yeah. So I actually, this is a game where it's like crying out for Aaron Jones. Yes, crying out for Aaron Jones. And you mentioned tight ends. It's also crying out for Luke Musgrave. Because according to Zach yes. Cruz on Twitter, the Lions have given up an NFL high 25 catches for 263 yards to tight ends through three weeks. That's a lot. So let's get Luke Musgrave involved. Like you said, let's get Aaron Jones involved. And then the... So that was something that that was we talked about. Like That's something I hope the Packers do is get Luke Musgrave involved. We're kind of tipping our hand to the next section, but dad, let's move on to that next section. That was one of the things that I hope the Packers do is get Luke Musgrave involved. What's something that you hope the Packers do in this game schematically or otherwise? So looking at 
how they defend different parts of the field in the past. They're much weaker covering the left and middle than the right, um, especially uh, deep where they're like 21st in the league. So I'd like to see some more like hole shots to the left or um, deep shots at the left sideline. It's kind of a mix though. That it's, it's, there's that, but also there's kind of uh, the weakness against running backs and tight ends um, as well that may, may, maybe they try to ex- exploit. But um, on on deep, so uh, I guess I'll stick with offense first. I'd like to see them keep trying a hurry up offense, not necessarily near the end of the game. That's where they were actually most effective last game. So maybe something that the Packers could try in the middle of the game just to take advantage of mismatches, don't let the defense substitute and get players off the field and um, and get in better rhythm. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm surprised more teams don't do more hurry-up stuff more often. Now I know it tires out your big the, the big hogs up front, the big linemen. But, but it also tires out it, it wears tires out the, out defense the defensive line because the def, de, the defensive line pass rushing is exhausting. You have to cover a lot more ground than the guy who's blocking you. That's that's true. Um my thing that I hope they do on defense uh wise is I hope they can get pressure on Jared Goff with four. Um Jared Goff, you know, notoriously uh much better when the pocket is kept clean. We talked about how he's much better with play action. But per the thirty third team um, who used Sports Info Solutions data, uh, and this is since week one of 2022. And then I also took some data from rbsdm.com. Um, Jared Goff normally is at about 0.169 EPA per play, which would be ninth best in the league. And then Jared Goff under pressure uh, would be at negative 0.4 EPA per play. Uh, and that's 24th in the league amongst players playing 200 snaps. And that's 24th amongst all players under pressure. So he's a top 10 quarterback, not under pressure. And then when you look at all quarterbacks under pressure, he's like closer to the bottom of the barrel. However, and this actually surprised me, blitzing him does not work. And that was something I initially had. I was like, get pressure on him no matter what, no matter how many people you have to send. But blitzing him has actually not shown to provide very favorable results. And this is, again, per Colton Pouncey of The Athletic. Goff was the fifth most blitz quarterback in the league last year, and they're counting a blitz as five or more rushers. But he had the fourth highest EPA per dropback on blitzes, behind only Mahomes, Tua, and Jimmy Garoppolo, surprisingly. But that was something that I was surprised to find. So you're going to have to find a way to get pressure on him with four. And, you know, we need another big game from Gary. We're going to need a little more from Preston Smith. I hope Lucas Van Ness has, like, a little more in him this game. I felt like last game they were not playing him very much, probably maybe because they're worried about the elbow. I know it's a short week, but hopefully they can give him some more snaps. And, you know, need big games from Kenny. Need a big game from Wyatt. Need to be able to get pressure on him because when he's able to be kept clean, he's very, very good. Yeah, and so this is also a thing where we might need a lot of work from the edge rushers. Often, like the, of course, the the, the Gary, um, sorry, the uh, not Gary, the, the the Kenny Clark versus Frank Ragnow. Battle Frank Ragnow's is, uh, really is, good. And that's the, one I mean, that's, Kenny's yeah. very good, but Frank Ragnow's also very good. He's probably so that's like one you can't. It, it's there's not a like clear advantage there. They're both really good. Um, I think we have more of an advantage on the edges than up the well, middle I, in this particular game. I think, Although, you know, unless you know, have tie out, and I was going to say Kenny, not putting Kenny on the nose very, except it's in a few times in obvious passing downs, but maybe Kenny will be feasting on whoever is backing up at guard. Well, so that's what I was going to say is they've been having Slayton play over the, over the nose a little bit um, more. Uh, their backup guard is listed as Graham Glasgow who last year per PFF was, you know, about an average um, guard. He played for Denver last year. So in terms of backup guards, he's actually one of the better ones in the league, I would say. Um, But still, I would think that that would be more of a mismatch than going against Ragnow at center, because Ragnow is probably like a top three, top four center in the league, in my opinion. But yeah, I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I thought it was interesting also that Carl Brooks played more snaps than Slayton last game. That was a little surprising to me. Um, Oh, he played more than Slayton? Did he play the second most on the line then? Yeah, behind Kenny. Because I had heard he had more than Wyatt. I didn't realize he also had more than Slayton. And I knew he had a lot more than uh, 
Wooden. Than Colby mm-hmm. Wooden. That was the one that was like really notable. But yeah, I think Carl Brooks uh, had the second most snaps amongst all defensive linemen in that game uh, for the Packers, which is definitely something to keep an eye on. Although actually now I'm having trouble remembering if Wyatt had more than him. Um, but yeah, so those are the things that we hope the Packers do in this game. Uh, Dad, did you have anything else you wanted to add there? Or should we move on to our don't take your eye off that guy, which is our pseudo player to watch, okay. I suppose, I guess say, you would say? Brooks did out-snap Wyatt by one snap. Yes, and he, and he also outsnapped uh, Slayton, yes? And Slayton had 26 snaps. Yeah, that's, that's really weird to me. I'm very surprised by that. That Brooks and Brooks played okay. Uh, I don't think he graded out particularly well, but I thought he played well. He got penetration a few times. He got some pressure on. Uh, I think it was Carr when he got pressure. Uh, Carr or Winston, he got pressure on the quarterback. But I think that's kind of surprising to me that he's past Slayton and Wyatt. But hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to look at it as a positive for Brooks and not so much a negative for the other two guys. But I think if Slayton can play some no, a more nose in this game, it'll give Kenny a favorable matchup. But Dad, let's move on to our don't take your eye off that guy. These are the players that we think will either be standouts or players where it's like if they play well, the Packers should win. If they play poorly, the Packers might be in trouble. Who did you have for this one? So I may have cheated by having a couple, but I'm gonna start with just one. You, and we'll see if we you always add cheat. You always cheat for our players of the game or our players to watch. See, you always pick like right, four I guys. See, you might as well pick half the team. I see players. Which players? It's not player. Which players? Players as in you anyway. pick one and I pick one. <laughs> That's two players. Oh, you're going to challenge my interpretation of the uh, of the template here. Well, anyway, I'm going to start with Rasheed Walker. Um, seems to be he, like he's for sure going to be playing one of the tackle spots. Um, and he needs he needs to play well. Um, in pass pro for the offense to have a chance. Yeah, yeah he's. Uh, I 100% agree. If if uh, if he struggles, then they're gonna be in for a long day. Oh, and uh, he's been 100%. playing well. He's he's barely. What has he given up? Like one pressure or something? No pressures on true pass sets. I believe was the stat that I saw last. Um, and it was like the only tackle in the league with like more than 25 true pass sets to allow no pressures. So that's something I think, you know, he started the Atlanta game a little shaky, but like since after the first two possessions, he's been like rock steady, which is pretty sick. Um, my player to watch, uh, and then I'll throw it back to you for your second player to watch, I guess. Uh, my player to watch in this game, who I think is going to be pivotal is key, uh, pivotal is Keyshawn Nixon. Um, so if you don't know, the Lions' best receiver is Amon Ross St. Brown. That last name might be familiar. He is the younger brother of Equinemius St. Brown. Um, but he's their best weapon. Currently, through three weeks, he's averaging seven catches a game for almost 92 yards a game. And he's coming off back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, he lines up in the slot 47% of the time through three games per PFF and 54% of the time last year. So he's in the slot a lot. And that is Keyshawn Nix's assignment. Um through three games, though, Keyshawn has allowed 10 catches on 11 targets. Um, eight of those targets and seven of those receptions did come in week one against the Bears, and he's been a little better through the last two weeks, actually a lot better through the last two weeks. But he is still allowing a 130.7 passer rating into his coverage and about eight yards per target. So coverage-wise has been a bit of a struggle for him, and he's going to be matched up against essentially what I consider to be like a top 10, top 15 receiver in the league and one of the better slot receivers in the league. And... I think that's something where it's like, okay, Keyshawn's going to have to have a really good game and he's going to have to. And the thing is like the last two games, he's graded out well uh, and he hasn't been targeted very much, but I don't think they're going to just suddenly not target Amon Ross St. Brown. And the thing is when Keyshawn has been targeted, (laughs) like we said, like when Keyshawn has been targeted, like we said, it hasn't gone well so far. So that's my player to watch. He's going to have to have a big game if they're going to win. Dad, who is your second player to watch? Yeah, so the, I'll, I'll throw in a, a second for a little bit, and that's uh, Quay Walker. With um, Campbell out, he's going to be wearing the green dot. Plus, it's going to be like really important for defending passes over the middle to tight ends and running backs like Laporta and Gibbs, as well as in run support. He's going to be carrying a lot of responsibility in this game for how the center of the defense is holding up. Big time. And one of the only reasons I let you pick two players is because... I heavily agree with both of those because with Campbell out, Walker's going to take on a lot more responsibility there. And that kind of leads us into our overtime, which is what we have not gotten to talk about yet in our standard discussions, but we wanted to mention. And mine was that Isaiah McDuffie is going to be in for Campbell. And I'm curious as to how the run defense looks with him in. Um, It wasn't too big of a problem versus New Orleans, 
but New Orleans' offensive line is not nearly as good as the Lions in run blocking. So that's something to keep an eye on. McDuffie is very small, like we've talked about before. He's one of the smallest linebackers to ever go through the combine. He's like only about 225 pounds. So is he going to be able to engage blockers? Is he going to be able to stay clean on the second level if he gets in, in, if he gets engaged? Like, I, I'm not sure. And that's something that I'm a little worried about. Maybe I could have put this in the I'm nervous section, but I already had a couple things I was talking about. But that's something that's in like the back of my mind that we hadn't got a chance to touch on yet that I'm thinking about at least. Uh, and so for me, my little thing is, Who's going to be playing outside corner in this game? So last week, Green Bay was basically down to their fifth preferred outside corner by the second for the whole second half in in Ballantyne. Shout, shout out Corey Ballantyne, by the way. Like, yeah, he was he was he, working. He played okay. I mean, he played okay. And having to cover Chris Olave, and it had good coverage even when Olave made that last catch on the sideline. He was there. Sometimes um, great players just make great plays, and like he was brought up to be a special teams guy for this game. And they're suddenly down two extra corners. Like they're probably going to elevate him again this week. I wonder if they elevate Innis Gaines. I think apparently they can elevate him been... and. Well, apparently well, Gaines has doing been Gaines before. Well, apparently Gaines has been dealing with injuries in like like it's not listed in the injury report because he's technically a practice squad player, but apparently he's been hurt um, the past like set of practices. So that's something to keep an eye on. If he's if he's up to the task, do they elevate him instead? They had been elevating Gaines. I think he has one more elevation left. They could. Um, but with how Valentine played, I wouldn't be upset if they went with Valentine either. And if both but, Jair and Valentine can't go, they might elevate two corners. So that's, that's something to keep an eye say. on there. It really gets kind of wild if neither Jair or Valentine can play. Because then you might be elevating. I hadn't thought of Gaines. I was thinking of be elevating Valentine and uh, Keandre Thomas. It's like, who are the corners there? Gaines was playing a lot of slot corner before um, in preseason and and they had elevated him the first two weeks, um, but I think mostly playing special teams. And so I, when Ballantyne was elevated last week, I didn't take that to mean anything about Jair. Just cause, because at Ballantyne, I felt, was just taking Gaines' spot cause since Gaines couldn't go. And then he ended up playing half the game at, uh, what was it? At outside left corner. Cor- left corner. It's outside corner. very much shades of like Ladarius Gunter in 2016. Where I was like, you know, please, 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 no. Well, the thing is, is like Ladarius Gunner got absolutely toasted by Julio Jones, which of course he did. But the weeks prior, like he put up really, really strong performances against, I believe it was Odell and Amari Cooper. So like, I I believe it was Amari Cooper, but it's like these practice squad quarterbacks like coming in and just doing what they can. So, and then he got roasted by Julio. So I'm hoping we don't get like a, wow, Corey Valentine's doing much better than I expected. And then immediately 240 yard game right, right down the middle. But yeah, those are some but things. He, should, he that, shouldn't be lined up on their best receiver much. Um, no, that's the thing is their outside receivers are Josh Reynolds and shoot. I always forget the second one. It's Josh Reynolds. And I have their depth chart right here. Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones Jr. is back for a second round with the Lions. So yeah. he should and, be lined up Josh, with... I would say and Josh Reynolds is apparently not 100% healthy. He was questionable going into the last game, but they he was active, played, had not a single target. Yeah, so the so question is, just, was that a decoy, decoy after having like tw- um, nine catches on 12 targets in the first two weeks? And then yeah. zero targets? So he If he's out there as a decoy, put Corey Ballantyne... Put Corey Ballantyne on him if he's out there as a decoy. We'll just see what happens. But yeah, so those are our overtime things, Dad. But let's move on to the bottom line. And this is just, you know, simple simple as it gets, Dad. The Lions win if blank. What do you got here? That kind of ties into other things I said, like the Packers O-line can't hold up against the Detroit pass rush. If that happens, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, I agree. But mine was the Lions win if the Packers can't get pressure on Jared Goff. We've seen... He'll pick you apart a little bit, especially in play action, if you can't get to him. So, Gary, Preston, like we already said, the edges, the interior, you're going to have to beat your man, and you're going to have to get to Jared Goff. And, you know, see if you can make him make a few mistakes. Um, But, Dad, the Packers win if blank. Yeah, so I was trying to figure out where to set this line. And some things, if I said it too high, it's too obvious. Like, the Packers running back group has, from scrimmage, so not just rushing yards, 90 yards. That's so a it's low rushing bar. Receiving from what? That's a low, That's bar. A low bar. That's, That's a, a low, low bar. bar. I don't, and but I don't know if it was actually clear if Jones doesn't play. 
They were much worse than that. Uh, they have not cleared that every every week this year. I I believe it. I've watched the games. I I can believe that. Uh, so mine's I think kind if, of they, a, if they get that, I think they'll win. It's, mine's kind of a cop yeah. out. Um, mine is the Packers win if the Packers can get pressure on Jerry Goff. I really you just held your first answer up to the. You just held your first answer up to a mirror. I know, but it I, really do, I really do think it's as simple as that. I think you know if you can get pressure on Jared Goff, you can force turnovers. You can kind of rattle him a little bit. We've seen that he's not as good under pressure. The statistics bear it out. Blitzing hasn't worked. The statistics bear that out. But if you can get home with four, I think you can win this game. Dad, let's wrap it up here. Score prediction. What do you got? I've got Packers winning at home 28-24. to 24. I think Jones is going to play. I think Watson's going to play. And I think the offense is going to be able to get some stuff done. Okay. I also have a Packers win. I have a Packers 24, Lions 21. I think this is going to be a really close game. I, I'm talking like as close as last week, maybe even. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> it's going to be a Packers lead for precisely zero seconds, but win the game. Hey, That's about as close as they could get. As long as it ends in a win, I'll take it. But yeah, so that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking, here's my question, just as we're wrapping up here, but I wanted to see what you thought. How many snaps do you think Watson plays? 20% of snaps, 10% of snaps, 30% of snaps. I don't think, if even if he's active, even if he plays like we expect him to, and like the reporting has expected him to, I think he's definitely on a snap count, right? Yes, I think he's on a snap count. Um, I, I would guess he's not going to play more than... 30, 30, 40. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. But anyway, this has been our preview for the Packers Thursday night matchup against the Detroit Lions in Lambeau. Very excited to watch this one on primetime with the prime vision, which is really sick. That's going to be extra fun to be able to watch like my own team from like the overhead view. That's sick to me. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet when we have new episodes out, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One-stop shopping for any news, Title Town. And come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube, and if you subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. Thank you again for listening. We're hoping to be giving you a post-game pod after this one, after hopefully a Packers win. And until then, until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.